You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. Hey, hey, it's Chris Morgan, and this is Halloween Unleashed. And I just want to take a little moment before we get started with today's episode to tell you a little bit about our shop on Tee Public. If you go over to T-E-E, that's tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash Chris M one two two nine, which is my user handle. But it's uh, something I set up several years ago, and I just decided to kind of roll with it. And I had no idea that this thing was going to take off the way that it did. We appreciate each and every single one of you purchasing merchandise, stickers, um, shirts, posters, you name it. You know, if you can go to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash chrism1229 for your latest and greatest merchandise. And every purchase goes to support this podcast so that we can keep this ad-free and sponsor-free. We thank you and uh, enjoy today's episode. Halloween Unleashed. Hey, hey, everybody. This is Chris Morgan, and you are listening to Halloween Unleashed. And this week is technically Throwback Thursday week, but uh, I wanted to go ahead and I wanted to help a lot of people out. I get questions all the time about how do I photograph my masks, I wish I could take better pictures, my pictures suck, Um, I just don't take good pictures, I don't do this, I don't do that. And it seems like everybody says to me, well, you have a DSLR camera and that's the reason you're able to take all these pictures that you're able to. And while yes, that is true, there are still a lot of pictures that I do take and post on Instagram uh, that are taken with my iPhone 7 Plus. And today I figured I could pull back one of the old Throwback Thursdays how to photograph masks but there's some people that said I was a little harsh in that episode. Um, and you got to understand, when I did that episode, I was mentally, I was spent, I was angry, I was upset with the direction of the show. There was just a lot of things that was going on that I just really wasn't happy about, so that did come off. The other thing that was kind of an irritant um, was the fact that I was willing to help and do all this research and help for somebody else and I would get the proverbial oh well man that sounds complicated uh, or that's too much reading or I'm, I'm just not going to worry about that well then don't ask me then you know so I figured instead of recycling that episode um, I'm going to do a real helpful step by step episode that is going to help iPhone users or Android users doesn't matter Um, I put a poll out on Monday morning uh, just asking, hey, you know, what phones does everybody have? It ranged between Notes and Galaxies and iPhones. So really we have Samsung or we have Apple for the most part. If you have a flip phone, like Ken said, you're on your own. Uh, No, Ken doesn't have a a flip phone. He's being a smartass. That's okay. Um, But... For my iPhone 7 Pluses and above, 
Um, I'm going to tell you, I shoot 90% of my um, photographs in portrait mode. Uh, that really collapses that depth of field. And we'll get into the terminology. I'm going to help everybody with terminology so you know what each one does. There's going to be three main things that you need to know for this. Uh, but um, portrait, uh, easy for me to say. Portrait mode is definitely my go-to. It's my it's my jam. Um, but what portrait mode kind of does is it still it gives you a nice uh, contrasty, rich picture that doesn't distort uh, the colors or the actuality of what the image looks like. Um, but the problem with portrait mode is you really can't outside of uh, darkening it darkening the picture down or brightening it up you really can't do much um and we'll again we'll get into the basics of uh cell phone or even dslr photography now i tell people all the time if you're going to buy three four five six hundred dollar mask or more you probably should take um Take a few hundred bucks and go get yourself a DSLR, whether it be Canon, Nikon, doesn't matter. Um, but if you're going to do that, you're going to need to learn how to use it. I shoot on a Canon T6i for my DSLR, and I have a 35mm um, prime lens, which is a, it's a fixed focal length. Um, so that uh, you don't have a zoom lens. Now, a zoom lens is good for the everyday shooter, like the point-and-shoot clickers um, that don't care about a lot of that stuff. But if you're trying to get the best, most accurate shots um, to where you can create that rich depth of field, you can eliminate the the grainy noise out of your pictures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get the most out of your DSLR. You really want to invest in a prime lens. Now I have a 35 millimeter and a 50 millimeter, and those are fixed focal lengths uh, for a lot of my portrait stuff. I use a 50, and uh, what I will do is I will go in and again I'm going to get into what all this stuff means in just a moment for your for you cell phone users that don't have DSLR. I'm just trying to kind of go in order about my processes and then I'm going to break down what each one does and go into lessons. So um, I go into my f-stop. I usually make my f-stop. I open my lens as far as I can. Um, and on a fixed focal length, you can get anywhere from a 1.8 to a 2.8, depending upon which lens it is. Now, I could get all the way down to a 1.2. Um, if I wanted to drop $900 on a lens, I really don't. I dropped uh, $99 on a 50mm lens that opens me to a 1.8. That's more than plenty for me for what I'm shooting with masks. Now, um, the key to that is um, you want to make sure that you just don't go into a dark room and fire away because if you start with mud, you're going to end up with mud. Uh, you still need light. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, just use natural light. Well, so there's some people that don't have nice lighting inside their apartments or homes or whatever the case may be. Um, and if that's the case, I'm going to help you out a little bit. You do have a hallway 
um, in your apartment or studio or where, wherever you live, you have a hallway that probably has a dome light. At least turn that on so you can get some nice overhead lights and uh, try to place that subject um, where it's going to sit right in the middle where you can open up another door and turn on like a side light or something like that. Something's better than nothing. Now, <laughs> not trying to, con- I'm going to confuse some people here, so I'm probably going to say, I'm, I'm going to save this. Um, and then what you can do if from that point is um, you can set your f-stop to where you get a nice general exposure to where everything um, looks well exposed. But there was times early in my photography um, that I was like, man, I put so much weathering on this thing and you can't see it because of the exposure. Now, I tried to say this in my previous um, photography tips, but I'm going to give it again because we're going to pretend that episode didn't happen. Um, Lenses have come a long way to mimic what our eyes see, but they're not our eyes. Glass is man-made. You're never going to make glass see the same thing of a spectrum of what your eyesight sees. So you're always going to have to figure out, you know, what's a good happy medium and what's worked for me and what I get the most compliments and comments on is I will look at a mask and say, okay, somewhere on here, I have a pretty bold spot, but it's kind of faint. And I'm talking about the weathering, whether uh, your artist of choice, whether it be me or anybody else uses browns, grays, blacks, whatever, find the lightest speck of dirt that really makes that mass pop from a distance. If you can see it with the naked eye, what you want to do is you want to find that with your lens and set your exposure to expose that. Now, some of you may have paused this and already went and tried that. Okay, most Myers masks, if you're shooting Myers, if you're shooting something with no hair on it, perfect. This doesn't pertain to you. You're gonna, you're already gonna knock your photos out of the park, uh, just with that tip alone. But most, if you're shooting Myers masks, most Myers masks have brown hair and a a white face. Now that's a very harsh contrast. So if you're trying to with to mimic what your naked eye is seeing versus what a lens is seeing you're always going to have a discrepancy there. It's like, okay, do I want to show off the artwork of the paint or do I want to show the artwork of the hair? Because uh, the hair, if you do it right, that's an artwork all in itself. But for the most part, people like to see the face. Because if you overexpose the face, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have some troll bag on, on, on one of these groups that say, Wow, that's really clean. That's not very dirty. And especially if you ordered something dirty, the artist posts like me, for example, because I know how to properly expose it, um, it's going to look washed out. The details aren't going to be there. You're not going to see any weathering. And then that's where the whole comment of, well, this artist, the such and such artist only edits their pictures. That's not true. Artists are artists for a reason. Um, I know myself, when I get done with the hard work of finishing up a piece of art, uh, 
I'm extremely proud of it uh, to the point where I take as many shots as I do and show off as many angles as I do because I want to share my art with the rest of you. You know, again, if you're a fan of a football team or a sports team or a movie, you want to find other like-minded individuals that you can kind of discuss or share with, correct? Right or wrong? So that's what I always kind of take into consideration. So therefore, I have to kind of make a choice. Um, Do I want to overexpose the face just to show off the hair? Or do I want to expose the face and let the hair go dark? Um, I, I really want to show off the artwork, so I don't mind the hair going a little dark. Now, um, there's ways to counteract that, but I'm not going to give that away right now. So let's go back to our um, our previous comment. You have your overhead dome light, then you have your um, your side light that you're opening up a door and just turning on a light. Now, this is going to happen, and this is why I didn't want to say it earlier. I just you know I wanted you to get into an idea that you have to light your subject. First and foremost. Now, if you're one of those people that you have a more yellowish dome light in the hallway and you have more of a fluorescent bluer, cooler light in your bathroom, your white balance, your mask is going to come out looking almost green. Uh, You're not going to be able to white balance um, real well. I, I mean, put it this way. You're never going to find the white balance between those two lights. They're two totally different lights two totally different color temperatures. So what I always do is for for me, now this is me, yellow in pictures never looks good. I hate yellow, yellow pictures. Um, just makes it look bad. So typically what I'll do is the cooler light, I'll turn it off. I'll take a white sheet of printer paper and tape it to the mask under that yellow light And then I'll go up, I'll take a picture of it, set my white balance to that. And then uh, at least under that light, the mask will be its proper color, which is white. Now, when you turn on that blue light, or I say blue light, when you turn on that cooler light that is more on the bluish side, um, what's going to happen is it's going to turn really blue and you're going to have a beautiful edge blue light. Uh, almost like what John Carpenter did in the original Halloween. So you're going to have that beautiful white balanced, uh, nasty yellow light that just turned white because you white balanced it um, against a white sheet of paper. And now whatever is uh, cooler, which is the bluer side light, it's going to come up and give you those nice blue hues and tones and different things. And now you're really starting to get into where you're going, holy shit, I can start playing with a little bit more contrast with my shots and exposures and stuff. Now you want to start making those uh, those weathered areas like in the eyes, under the nose, in the mouth, all that stuff. You want to make that stuff pop. And you're able to do that now because you have this really cool uh, contrast and light. Now, let me ask a question. Or let me just ask this. What if the situation is reversed? What if you have a blue overhead light or a cooler overhead light and a yellow bathroom light? Well, first and foremost, if I were you, I'd find a different place to shoot. Maybe in your kitchen, um, that's all overhead light. 
um, in a bedroom somewhere. Just God for for God God forbid, please don't put it in the bathroom. You know we see way too many uh, toilet shots and sinks in the background and toilet paper rolls in the background. We see too much of that. But you know if you have a dining room that just has a nice overhead light, um, do that. Um, you probably see a lot of my nighttime shots that's done uh, in the edge of my um, of my dining room going into my living room. And uh, I pick one light and expose for that, white balance to that, and then go from there. Um, I've recently got into flash photography, which I'm not even going to discuss on this. It's too much. Uh, it's going to be information overload. That's a rundown on quick DSLR. Now, what I do is um, I'm going to explain all this terminology, but f-stop I, I, I discuss 2.8. Uh, my shutter speed, I'm, a, I'm between 160th and 200 uh, and 1200, and that's for my DSLR. And then my ISO ranges between 100 and about 400. I don't really go above that. If I am a, if I have to go above that because everything's too dark, um, I lower my shutter speed down to 160th or even down to 120th. Um, and if that's not working, and I've, I'm, I'm open as far as I can be on um, my f-stop, well, then I'm going to raise my ISO to like a 200 or a 400. If you have to go above that, now just keep in mind, the higher you go on an ISO, uh, the more grain is going to be introduced into your pictures, and it's going to look like shit. So anything above 800, uh, re really you can push it to 1600, but I don't even like to go there. Um, I like to keep it between uh, 100 and 400. Max I'll go is 800. I've had to do it only a couple of times. Um, they came out okay, but um, that's something I'm most proud of. The, uh, the 100 to 400 range is really going to crush those blacks in the background um, and give you a nice, rich, deep, high-quality, high high-color, rich colors... Um, high quality image. So if you can stay with that, you're going to be fine. Now let's go over to cell phone users. Now this lesson um, is going to be for people that you either use iPhone or Android. I use an iPhone. I don't use an Android. So I, I found some things that are going to help you for both Android users and iPhone users. But before we get into any of that, we have to get into what the terminology is. I just threw out a bunch of like f-stop, shutter speed, ISO or ISO, sh sh shutter speeds, etc. I gave you a lot of information there. So let's explain what each one of them is and why they're important. Starting off, you know, again, I've said this many times. People say that learning photography, I'm not a photographer, seems like a tough task. It's, it's really hard to figure out, especially when you start getting into, you start seeing all these really nice photographs. Um, but also at the same time, you know, if you just take a little, a little effort, I mean, again, you're dropping anywhere from 200 to $1,000 on a mask. You know, don't you want to show that off in the best light possible and share that with the world? Of course you do. So let's let's talk about what, you know, and I'm going to focus on really three things that you need. 
I mean, if you want to go through the other 50 terminology things that are out there, do it on your own time. But the things that are going to help you, you heard me mention depth of field. This is huge. And I get compliments all the time about how my image is nice and crystal clear. And then everything behind it or outside of it is soft or blurry. And that gives it even a more professional look. Now, again, if you're an iPhone user, now I don't know about the S9s and all this stuff and all the Android stuff. Maybe they've stepped up their camera game. The the last uh, Samsung I have uh, was a 4, I believe. Samsung Galaxy S4. S4 or S5. I had one of the two. But back then, the cameras really weren't that great. Um, so maybe they've, maybe they've stepped up their game since then. I don't know. I can only speak from a, um, from an iPhone user standpoint, and this is only for the seven plus and above, um, that has this feature. And this is why when I switched to iPhone, I got the seven plus, it was cheaper. Um, and it had a, a really nice camera on it. So there's something on the iPhone called, uh, portrait mode. Now, for you Android users, maybe your camera on your phone has that now. I don't know. But if it does switch to portrait mode, what that's going to do in these particular phones is it's going to, you're going to be able to pinpoint the face or anything like that on your, on your subject. You can bring the exposure down just a little bit to uh, make it slightly darker. Again, find those weathering spots. And then when you click the photo, what's going to happen is, is it automatically anything that is outside that, um, that focus area is going to go soft or out, slightly out of focus or blurry. And, that, and if you move your subject matter, which is your mask, away from your background. So I see a lot of people take their mask and shove them all the way up against the wall. That's the most boring, bad shot you can do. Take your mask, put it out in the middle of a room on a stand, find some place where you can set it up, nice overhead light, move it away from the background. Because when you're able to get those depth of field shots, which is what they're called, um, if you shove your mask right up against a wall, you're not going to be able to get it, period. I don't care how many tips you try to watch or how many YouTube videos you try to watch, Depth of field is all about that. It's the depth of your picture. Does that make sense? So the further you move your subject away from the background and the closer it gets to your lens, the more of a depth in your picture you're going to create. Now, another way that will help you on your shots, just setting up your photography, is if on your cell phone, like my app has this on my cell phone, if you have a way to where you can set up the grid on your cell phone or DSLR, do it. Because really what photographs and um, movies are, they're intersecting lines. It's called the rule of thirds. So think about it like a tic-tac-toe board. Where those lines intersect each other and create that cross, that's a point of interest. Okay, so what you want to do is if you have a grid set up on your camera, on your phone, is what you can do is you can put the most interesting parts of your mask in those intersecting lines. And when you do that, the eye naturally goes to the area you want your audience to see. 
Does that make sense? So then you focus there and everything else goes soft and it, it ends up with a beautiful picture. And I get a lot of compliments on that. A lot of my profile shots, I do that all the time. So that's another thing. Um, but depth of field is a photography term that, refer, that refers to how much the, Im, how much the image is in focus. Cameras will, the camera will focus on one distance, which would be your mask, but there's a range of distance in front of and behind the point that stays sharp. So that little example I just gave you, bingo. There you go. Um, now, if you're going outside and you're shooting landscapes like mountains or grass or flowers or whatever landscapes pretty much they have more of the image in focus it's going to be harder to get those depth of field shots unless you're focusing in on a flower and then the same rule applies move that flower away from its uh its background a little bit and you can google depth of field shots flowers on google it'll show you a ton of, of what i'm talking about you know um, we see them all the time, and then some people they go into a to a post production program and and edit it up, and that's fine if you want to do that. Um, the next thing that you want to deal with is exposure. We talked about that just a little bit ago. That's huge. Um, exposure, by definition, is how much light or dark an image is. Pretty self explanatory. An image is created when the camera sensor or film strip is exposed to light. Um, that's where the term originates from. Um, a dark photo is considered underexposed, and those end up, you heard me say in the very beginning of this, you start with a muddy picture, you're going to end up with a muddy picture. I don't give a shit. Um, you're like, hey, I just want to make this thing come out darker. Okay, well, darker isn't always better unless you're going for something, um, but you should you sh should still light it, but I'm not going to get into lighting your photos too much. Um, I'm just trying to help you take better, better composed shots, better lit shots, and help you with your basic photography skills. Um, so where were we at? A light, a light photo is overexposed. Um, so it's e very easy to overexpose a white Michael Myers mask. Um, so again that lends back to my credibility of me saying find find the lightest piece of weathering that you can find on the mask and expose for that so again most cell phones whether it's android or iphone um once you tap the little focus ring in the middle of the of, of the screen you have a little thing that you can slide up or down one moves the exposure bright one moves it darker get it dark enough to where the eye sockets go a little dark and some of the weathering starts to appear on the mask naturally. That's the easiest way to expose. Once you have that, again, once you have that, get it as close to the naked eye as possible. You're not going to hit it 100%. And snap the photograph. Again, consider your backgrounds. Consider what's in the shot. Uh, if you've got you know, a messy kitchen... To either clean up your kitchen or take your mask somewhere else. Don't put them in the bathrooms. Nobody wants to see your toilet paper or your toilet. Uh, nobody wants to see a lot of clutter in the shot. So um, it's either you're going to crop the image and get, get all that shit out. Um, 
or you're going to move it to a different area altogether. I vote for moving it to a different area. Um, you can pretty much take a take a picture anywhere um, that you have good light. All right. So um, and again, I go for the dome lights um, because again, they come with a natural. Uh, soft globe around them, so you're already going to get some natural soft lighting from it. Um, moving down here, focal length, um, you'll hear that a lot. That's dealing with lenses. I already talked about that, 35 and, and 50, so I'm not even going to go into that. Uh, focus, it's pretty self-explanatory. When your eyes focus on an on an object that's close to you, the objects far away will appear blurry. It's the same thing as depth of field. Um, so, ISO, and I get I get this question a lot. What is ISO or ISO? The I the, I call it ISO because um, I I just don't like going ISO all the time. And when I say it fast, it sounds like ISO anyway. So the ISO dis- determines how sensitive the camera is to light. For example, an ISO of 100 means the camera isn't very sensitive, which means you're going to get a lot more blacks, which everything I talked about earlier. Uh, it's great for shooting in the daylight or that natural light, but an ISO, an ISO of 3200 means the camera is very sensitive to light, so you can use that higher ISO for getting shots in low light, but again, I don't really recommend it because anytime you're compromising how much light is coming in, uh, the sensor is only going to be able to handle so much. So that 3200 is going to get pretty grainy. Um, so I'm I'm really I'm really against that. Again, anything above an 800, and I'm like, 800 eh, is my cutoff. Uh, the trade-off is, though, that the images at high ISOs uh, appear to be grainy and have less detail. So, again, that backs up to what I said. ISO is balanced with the aperture. Aperture is your exposure, which I've already talked about, and shutter speed, which I've already talked about. So, again, you're going to have to play with your numbers. I gave you my numbers based in my environment. Yours may be a little different. That's okay. Um, long exposure... Um, you better have a tripod for it, and that is basically you're going to, um, and you can really only do this with a DSLR unless you have a really good phone um, and a, and you're going to pay for an app that can do this like like a DSLR. And there's apps out there. Um, there's DSLR apps out there that you can add to your phone. If you want to pay for them, great. I'm not asking anybody to spend any money. They're not giving me any money, so I'm not I'm not naming a bunch of them because again, I don't pay for my apps. I just I know enough about exposure and photography. I can get everything I need free. So, why should I need to pay for it? But and plus, if I'm going to get into all that manual shit on my phone, um I'm going to go grab my DSLR anyway. Um because again, it's just for me I know my dials, I know my settings, Uh, I'm a product of habit. But anyway, long exposure, you want to be able to lock those shots down. Now, some people heard that and go, what does that mean? Get a tripod, lock that bitch down, don't let it move. Because long exposure is you're opening that lens up, you're opening it. Like This is like if you've got a real starry night outside and you want to get a full moon shot, um, 
and you're messing around with your settings and you're going, man, I really need this thing to stay open for a long period of time to be able to get a proper shot in the dark. That's the way to do it. However, if you lightly even sneeze and bump that thing, um, your whole shot's going to be blurry. So um, I shot a bridge um, at night. I'm going to try to find that photograph and I'm going to try and share it. But uh, I did that up in uh, the Alton Marina up in Illinois. And when I, when I was there one summer and um, when I got my T2I, it was like brand new. And I just learned this long exposure photography. I was a sponge at that time, just taking everything and trying everything. But uh, with the long exposure, I did the shot of the bridge um, and the and the marina loved it so much they actually paid me for that photograph. And now that photograph, if you go ever go to the Alton Marina up in Illinois, there's one of my photographs hanging up in their welcome area. Pretty cool. So manual mode allows the photographer to set the exposure instead of having the camera do it automatically. In manual, you choose the aperture, the shutter, the ISO, and those choices affect how light and dark the image is and how the image comes out. Semi-manual modes include aperture priority where you get to choose uh, how bright or dark it is, shutter priority where you only choose the shutter speed, and programmed auto where you choose the combination of aperture and shutter. Uh, I like to go manual because again, you're taking an already prefix glass, trying to see what your eyes are seeing. The whole thing about photography is capture is capturing the magic moment that your eye sees naturally. So putting everything on auto and let a computer take over, you're going to get a shit picture or you're going to get more of what you're getting right now. If it's shit, um, and that is no detail in the shots, no nothing. And it's you're always going to be frustrated. But um, that's sh shutter speed is the next thing. Um, again, the shutter speed is the part of the camera that opens and closes to let light in. This is part of what you're going to use for long exposure if you want to do that, like I just talked about. Uh, it's to let light in and take the picture. The shutter speed is how long that that shutter stays open. So when you hear that little, you know, for the camera, if it takes a while for that to click or make that shutter noise, um, if it takes longer, you're on a long exposure. If it goes real quick, you're on a shorter uh, shutter speed. So... Um, it's written in seconds or fractions of a second, one two hundreds or one uh, with the symbol with the quotation marks in front of it used to designate an entire second. Uh, the longer the shutter stays open, the more light that is let in. Um, and the easiest way to explain that, if you've ever had your eyes dilated, what's the first thing they do? They put um, those crazy sunglasses on you. Why? because you know your eyes are wide open. That's the same as a shutter. That's like getting your eyes dilated and walking outside in the bright sunlight with those sunglasses not on. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that for your camera unless you're in a very dark, dark situation and you've got a tripod. So, uh, so 1 200 is 1 200th of a second. That's how long it's, it's open. Um, but anything that moves while the shutter is wide open that in that one 
that one second or above will become blur, which I've already said. Um, and it says right here that that's why tripods are necessary for the longer shutter speeds. Absolutely agree. Um, white balance, I've sort of touched on it, but I'm going to give you the, the definition term. Your eyes automatically adjust to different light sources naturally, but a camera can't do that. That's why sometimes you take an image that looks very blue or very yellow um, because it's picking up those, uh, you know, because cameras read RGB, red, greens, and blues. That's it. Three colors where your eyes see a multitude of the rainbow. So uh, there's an auto white balance setting. Sometimes it works, but for the most part, get out that white sheet of paper, tape it to your subject or t under the lighting source that it's going to be under. Take that shot, set it to that specific uh, custom white balance, and um, you know you can go there. Now, if you're shooting outdoors. A lot of these apps will have, or your natural stuff will have, like if, you, if you're able to set your white balance, it will have tungsten light. Now, tungsten light is the more yellow studio lights. If you're not a filmmaker or, or a photographer, you're not going to have them, so don't worry about it. Uh, you'll have the fluorescent light setting. Um, that's never worked, worked for me. Um, I've set it to the fluorescent light setting if I'm in a fluorescent light setting itself. And my picture comes out a little greenish and it looks a little sick. And uh, I don't like it. Uh, automatic, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the more natural light you have coming in from outside works. But uh, sometimes that's, again, that's not always a choice. If you have the, the, the opportunity to do a white balance, again, do it. It's going to already improve the colors um, of, your, of your shots. Um, but yeah, so if you use a preset base on what, you, what light you're shooting on, like the sun or tungsten lights, like I just said, it's not always going to be the most accurate. So what you want to do is you want to take a, again, white piece of foam core at the dollar store you can get. Uh, if you have uh, computer paper, just put a couple sheets together, tape them wherever, get that image of white under that exact light. So if you're in that hallway, like I talked about earlier, shooting under that yellow dome light, set it directly underneath that, tape it to the subject, expose it correctly to where you have no shadows. Take that, take that photograph, set your custom white balance, and it'll turn all those yellows into whites. And then you're going to be good to go. Now, um, when it comes to, uh, Again, uh, when it comes to cell phone photography, um, what you want to do is, again, I see a lot of people, too, like to zoom all the way in. All that's going to do is add grain to your shot. But if you zoom all the way out and get too close to your mask, it's going to make it, like, distort naturally because you cell phones naturally have more of a fisheye lens or a wide-angle lens on them so you can get everything in view. Uh so that's not always going to be, sometimes it's going to be that happy medium where you're going to get, uh, about halfway to it and you're going to have to do a little post cropping afterwards. I do that all the time. Um, yes, stuffing comes into play. I use, I'll tell you my exact recipe. What I do is, is 
a lot of controversy here. If this doesn't work for you, fine. Do whatever you need to do. But I'm, you know, I get asked all the time about my shots. I'm telling you what I do. I get uh, I get the female head, styrofoam head, uh, from Hobby Lobby, Michaels, Joann's, doesn't matter. And uh, typically what I'll do is, if it's a little bit of a thicker pull, I'm not going to need any bags at all. I just set it right on there. If my jawline's sagging just a little bit towards drooping my eyes, I will fold a bag in half, a plastic Walmart shopping bag or something, slide it up into those cheekbones, not overstuffing it because you'll make him look like he has the mumps, but uh, just sliding it in there just to give that slight pull to the sides, not over, not over exaggerated, but gives that slight pull to the sides just to fill out the face a little bit so it looks like it should. Um, but for the most part, um, since I'm doing like medium thin pulls, um, I got to stuff it. So what I found that typically works the best for me is I will get that uh, that styrofoam head. I'll take a gray uh, Walmart bag. I like the darker bags because I don't like whites in the eyes. I uh, get the gray bags, put each bag over the top of that head, take the little handles, wrap it around the neck, and then tie it off. And now I, I have even like a nice well-rounded bagged styrofoam head, sit it on my tripod or on a mask stand from B-Man Jim, little throw out to him. He does the best custom mask stands in the industry. Um, and then what I do from that point is I go ahead, sit it on there, take a step back. I'll, I'll take a, take a shot. And, um, now I'm extremely OCD about the way my masks look and photos. The way, I, the way I look at it is, if you're going to take a photo of your collection, of a piece of art that you just finished, whatever it is, that's a representation of either your collection or someone else's artwork. Treat it as such. Treat it as such. So what I typically like to do is if I overanalyze things, and anybody who knows me, like the Brandon Zachmans, um... Ken and 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 B-Man Jim, Lawrence, um, Chad, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. But how many times have I looked, I mean, Rick, Rick Ramby can even tell you this. How many times to most people, when you look at an image, they don't, they don't think something, but I've picked something out in that image and I'm saying something looks off about this. Now, nine times out of 10, I can typically fix it with, uh, with just better stuffing. But if it's still off after I've stuffed it every which way from Sunday, then what I do is I look at either a retool or maybe it was a bad pull, wasn't thick enough, something, you know. But typically, if if I see something that's off, something is off. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. But um, I'm trying to think what else here. Uh that's that's really all I do for um for masks now there's been there's been people that will send me pictures of a of a mask I've photographed and then a picture of what a customer has photographed not picking on anybody here I'm not but if if it looks amazing in my photograph that's how it should look because 
not only have I taken it about a half hour to 45 minutes to get that stuffing just right so it looks camera ready, I've also gone through the process of making sure my lighting is perfect to show you exactly what that mask should look like when, it, when you open the box. If it doesn't, goddamn, I definitely want to know because I definitely try to do everything in my power to make sure that that was the case. Now, um, I've had people pull something out of the box, take the hair, stand it straight up, and I'm going, holy shit, when, when in any of the franchise has Michael Myers had a, um, a finger stuck in the light socket where his hair is sticking straight out all over the place? And I see it all the time. Or they'll slick all the hair back, um, where in my shots I, I've pulled out the horns and messed with it and got it right. And that's another part that is part of the uh, the presentation with the, pho- with the photography as well, is just tweaking that hair a little bit. You know, messing with it a little bit. And if you don't know how to do it, ask. Ask. I'd be more than happy to help you. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I, I've had people send me pictures of their mask either overly stuffed in the jawline, making it look like it has the mumps, uh, either lopsiding one side or the other because there's too much stuffing in one side. Um, they throw some, they just throw it on a paper towel holder, and you know it's a thinner pull, so it's not really the the stuffing is not distributed correctly, and it looks off. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but. My goal here is not to just hit you over the head with everything and say, take better pictures. Um, It's to help you because I know there's a lot of you that really want to take better pictures and be able to show off their photography like everybody else. You do not have to go and have a degree in digital photography to take better pictures with with your cell phone. I'm going to try in the description of this episode, I'm going to try and put links to cell phone photography that's going to help you out. I'm going to try to put links in there of what apps you should buy. Um, I'm going to try. But again, if there's something that wasn't clear on here, fuck, you know, put it in the comments of when I drop the episode in the group. Put a question right there because chances are if you're asking that question, somebody else too. We want to help each other. We want to make sure that you know, our Myers collection, our photography looks fucking immaculate. Um, I've helped several people that are now against me uh, with their with their photography. Uh, most notable, I've talked about him on many episodes before, but Steve Brubaker. Dude came to me for a lot of, and he was part of the H6 frame job with Frankie Spradlin. But he came to me for a lot of photography tips. I taught him. Showed him the ropes. Same with um, same with Mike Shirley. That was another name that came up. Helped both of those guys immensely. Now their shots look fucking amazing, and they don't talk to me because they're busy sucking Kaizu's dick. But uh, you know, bottom line is, if you're willing to put into work and stop making excuses, well, I'm just not a photographer. Well, fuck, I wasn't either. I I really wasn't. I was not a photographer. I had to take interest and say, I want my shot to look like that. I want my picture to look like that. I want my artwork to look like it's supposed to, like I see it in in person. 
So if you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to put in the research and open up your brain a little bit to absorb this information, you may have to go back and listen to it a couple times. If there's additional stuff that you want to learn about uh, speed light photography, with, uh, which is external flashes, shit, I can do a whole lesson on that because I use primarily that because it gives most of the natural light effect. And if you don't have giant windows in your house like I do, um, it's a way to get the natural light look that you're looking for. So I hope this helps. Um, you know, whether you're Android or iPhone, doesn't matter. Make sure that you're able to get either get an app um, that will do a lot of these manual settings, allow you to do that. Anything auto is bad, uh, so get away from it as much as possible. Also, if your camera or your camera, if your phone camera has uh, a portrait mode that will naturally uh, blur the background, that depth of field, shoot in that. I do that all the time. Um, again, you're going to have to have enough light to be able to do that, but uh, it can be done. But again, if you have any questions, post it. Post it, post it, post it below this episode in the group when it drops. I'll be happy to do either a follow-up episode or shit. Maybe I will do... Um, Maybe I'll do a webinar where we can do a live webinar. I invite everybody to the webinar um, and I can share my screen and I can show you everything that I'm talking about. So that may be something that we can do if there's enough interest. If, if this has inspired you, fuck, give me, give me a like, follow, and recommendation. Um... Just a quick update. Next week we're going to do the Halloween 4 episode, but just a quick update. Um, I gave that that deadline of June 1st of get us to 500, get us to 1,000 in the group, and I will do a free giveaway. We're nowhere near close to that. So we've gone up, I think, 10 people since I announced that a month and a half ago. So um, we still got two months, so let's get that knocked out. Um Let's get Halloween fans here. I don't want mask people, in, uh, you know, too much in here. I want people that are fans of the franchise to come in, and then at that point, we can introduce them to our world because this is a Halloween Unleashed. This represents everything uh, within the series because we are fans of the series. The masks are just a bonus to what we get to share and love. All right, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next week for Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. <laughs>